Welcome to Sport Management Review Insights. I'm your host, Vito Sobral. From helping change lives through the Homeless World Cup to bringing nations together at the Olympics, one of the reasons sport is so loved throughout the world is its capacity to create social change. But a wise lecturer once told me that sport is not the panacea of the world's ills. And so in this episode, we're going to put the assumptions of sport for social change research under the microscope. And joining us to discuss this is a very special guest. She's published widely on a range of topics on sport for development and social change. She's professor in the School of Kinesiology at Western University. It's Laura Meisner. Welcome, Laura. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Another professor. I think we've only had a couple. It's a big hit for the podcast to get professors on to discuss their research. So we're very excited. I'm excited to be here. Laura and co-authors Kyle Rich and Aaron Pearson recently published Tensions and Opportunities in Researching Social Change in Sport Management. Now, Laura, as I mentioned, sport is so often seen as that force for social good, and you've mentioned that in the paper, and research is increasing on its impact as well. So how did this paper help our understanding of the area? I think it's important to go back to the starting point when we put this paper together. Part of it was to really start to think about what people were saying around this idea of social change. What does this actually mean? It's an an area and sort of a a discourse that is perpetuated in sport management. But um, what we were starting to see is lots of people talking about social change, talking about the potential value of sport for social change, but not necessarily defining what they meant by social change in the work that they were doing. So what we wanted to do is take a look what authors were doing, what researchers were doing in the space in order to understand how they were conceptualizing this concept of social change in order to inform how we actually use sport and the ways that we do to potentially produce positive outcomes. I'll get to the the definition of social change and, and, and those ideas in a second. I, I just want to ask what motivated you to look at this uh, aspect of sport development and, and sport management research? Uh, my work for a long time has been looking at the impact of sport on potential for positive social change, so whether it be through events to create social change in communities, so positive impacts in communities and community development. My area right now is focused on disability and parasport and the potential opportunities created through parasport for people to participate in community. But what it was hearing people saying, and myself included, I am, I am guilty of that myself, is scholars uh, at present presentations at conferences and in their papers, talking about this wonderful research that they'd done and saying how it was going to make this great social change. And I felt like I was wanting at every single presentation or at the end of every paper to like talk to that author and say, well, what do you mean? Like, what does that actually mean to you? And how are we actually helping practitioners understand how our work can impact that? So that's sort of what led me to be thinking about this more and more. And so that's why we kind of went at this paper in with the approach that we did. And I can understand where, where you're coming from. It almost is a term that is just accepted that, well, we all know what this is. Uh, but so often with these simple things that we think, it, it's far more complicated than that. So on social change, like you mentioned, it's been used widely, but what really is it? It's the theoretical focus of this review. What specifically is social change and how does it relate to, to what you were looking at here? 
Right. So I think we have to understand that there's not really one definition of social change. And that's part of what we were trying to get at is trying to understand how authors conceptualized this concept or the interlinked concepts of social and change. So for us, we used um, Strasser and Randall's definition of social change, which focused on various factors of economic, social and cultural resources. So those social constructs that are embedded in power relations. So that's the social element. And then the change element, we looked at issues around trajectory. So things like, um, you know, our expectation that social change means automatically positive is also problematic. And that's been highly critiqued in, in the sport for development literature. So what do we mean by change and, and what rate of change and what direction is that change happening and how is that happening? So the definitions are needing to include all of those things. I don't have one definition per se. We have a conceptual uh, uh, framework that we worked with to understand social change. But then we looked at how other authors were talking about and conceptualizing and theorizing social change. Like you mentioned, it's it's, it's pretty broad. We've got different uh, ideas of, of what it actually is and, and how it's manifest. So how did you go about collecting and considering the articles you wanted to use in your review? When we started this, initially started only with a focus on sport management journals. So sort of what I would call our big three, um, but just contested as well. So sport management and review, ESMQ, JSM. And then what we were actually really greatly, the reviewers um, pushed us to think about broadening the scope of that to include other areas as well. And so we didn't want to go outside the scope of sport management, but we wanted to make sure that we were kind of capturing and encompassing what was happening in the broader literature around sport management. And so we had to broaden the scope to look at journals that were cited, ranked, they were listed, they were indexed. Um, so certainly you'll see journals, there might be people who would say, well, that journal's, you know, a journal that we all might know really well might not be present in the review. And that just means it didn't make a criteria, it didn't meet the criteria. And that was with indexing and um, was ranked and it had to be ranked within the top 100 of our sports studies journals. And so that's how we started to look at journals in general. And then we had to look at articles. And so doing wide searches of um, the concept of social change was really interesting because we got everything and anything from all over the place. And so we really had to think about, did we want things like sport for development in that and sport in development or sport development or community sport and development. So we had to think about that. And there's been some really recent fantastic reviews done on sport for development. You know, one of the most recent ones I think about is Schulenkorf's review. Um, there's another recent one as well. And so we decided to exclude literatures that only focused on sport for development literature, because there had been some extensive reviews on, done on that. So that was a choice we made. So certainly that might be a deficit in some of the aspects of what we looked at, but that we had to make some decisions. Otherwise, we were going to have far more than we could manage to look at. And then when we went down to it, looking at from titles to abstracts to in the articles, um, what we wanted to see is articles that actually defined or used some theory of change or theory of social change within their articles. And that's where it was sort of a big aha moment for my co-authors and I when we did this and went, wow, there are very few of us who are actually defining or theorizing what we mean when we see, say social change. We are assuming it's a positive outcome and it's something wonderful and 
there we go, move on. But we haven't actually really conceptualized it. So that was sort of an aha moment when we were doing our, our initial analysis of things. And so we had to think about, okay, so how do we present this? <laughs> Goes back to, to my master's and, and the constant rehashing of sport is seen as inherently a good thing, but is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the question. I mean, it's one thing to say that the work that people are doing is creating this potential for positive social change, or it is social change, but what do we really mean by that? And I think it's just about encouraging authors and scholars to think through the words that they use. I know at one point in one of our presentations, and even maybe one of our years, doctor, are we just talking about semantics? Is this just a discourse? Well, that discourse really matters. And we have to think about how that discourse and those, those words that we use define the research that we're saying because then how if we don't then how do practitioners pick this up and take this and understand what it is they're supposed to take away with this research um so i think we it was just really for us to start to say let's encourage everybody to at least have thought about this as they're moving forward with their really wonderful work on social change we'll get to the findings in, in just a second in more depth um but i just want to ask about the, the three stages that you used to do the the review which you mentioned which was search extraction synthesis how, how did that actually take place how do you define how that took place it's messy it's terribly messy and i wish aaron pearson who is a phd student working with me now was here to answer that question because she was instrumental in doing the actual um, extraction and analysis so we bringing us together so we would have these massive massive lists in our big excel files to start with to try to aggregate all the the articles that we were finding and then look at how each of those uh, articles fit into the different categories that we have defined how they define social change whether there was an empirical definition whether there's a theoretical framework um, and when would that look like so it went from looking at you know the titles and abstracts only to getting in depth into actually what they did in each of the articles. So we did look in detail at actually what was done within the piece to to understand further how authors may have articulated or theorized that. So each article was scrutinized primarily by Aaron at the outset and then by Kyle and I uh, for the ones that we sort of defined as the subset that we, we drew upon because it did go from what started out as you know, a really large set that had social and change and sport and change and sport and development in it down to a much smaller subset of 63 articles that actually had some type of definition, some type of theoretical positioning of social change that went huge from 500 and some to begin with, which I don't think he's even mentioned, to 300 to really only 63 that actually articulated the things we were looking for. What a relief to get to 63. <laughs> I mean, yeah, in some respects, thank goodness. But it also said, like, look at how many people are actually using this term, social change and, or, or sport development, and actually not saying anything about what they what their definition of it is. And so that was just sort of our aha moment also to say we as scholars encourage our grad students to articulate what they mean in the work that they're doing. And as scholars, I think we also need to be really mindful of doing the same things in the work that we're doing, is taking a position and, and respecting that position. I mean, that that's part of why we do what we do. So, you know, getting down to 63 was good in some respects, but then the ones that actually did further definition from there was quite a bit smaller. <laughs> I also like to think that if you start off messy and get something a bit more structured and understood, it makes for the best outcomes. 
I hope right. that's true because that's that feels like what I do um, right. when I'm doing my research. Yeah, yep. and and to be fair, and part of it is you know because we were using a specific framework, right? We were using the Strauss and Ramble um, framework of social change. We were looking at the ways in which different authors articulated the level and unit of analysis, so around um, individual interaction and group level of that social piece, but also the profile of change as well. And so that helped us to kind of get down to that smaller manageable group. And and I think if we left it really large, I mean, we would be all over the place. And I don't think it would give us as much of a good outcome as what we've come up with. So from this very thorough collating of research and, and analyzing this, what were the key findings? I guess one of the key findings that stood out to us is very few scholars and, you know, my own articles in there, my co-authors articles are included in there, are actually defining social change in their articles and when they're using it. So they aren't really um, necessarily articulating them. Now, they may articulate them in a different way than the framework that we have, but they haven't been necessarily articulated in a way that defines the social. So the level of which that that particular social individual group or interaction or the manifestation of change. What do we actually mean by change? Um, it's an assumption of positive for the most part, but doesn't necessarily define what that manifestation looks like. We also, unsurprisingly, and perhaps from the journals that we, we did, um, we have a very geographically narrow a group of authors and so where the publications are coming from, right? So lots of us are talking about social change and the use of sport for social change, but lots of us who are talking about it are from Western industrialized nations, primarily Australia and North America and some European, a few European countries. But that's the, you know, so very narrow scope when we talk about the concept of social change. So that really is something I think is important for us to think about is that notion of social change as this wonderful positive thing, really that universal as we think it is, the same as we think about sport as this wonderful panacea that's going to fix everything. Maybe we need to really think about what we mean by that. Um, so that was a really telling piece that came through in our findings. And just some other aspects that was also, uh, I think, evident was issues with, with consistency and, and just the landscape of what's happening in sport management research. So interestingly, in terms of the landscape of it, the ones that tend to be good at defining or have some sort of definition around social change and use that have tended to be either review articles or theoretical papers. So 31 of those papers were review articles or theoretical papers, um, which also included things like editorials, perspectives, and um, a couple of Ziegler addresses. So that's almost half of the articles that had a decent definition and talked about the idea of social change were non-empirically based articles. So that's an interesting in terms of that landscape piece. Of the research articles or the ones that included empirical data, 21 of them were qualitative. So things like interviews, observations, document analysis. So those articles tended to have some level of a framework, but it was more of an inferred framework. You could, uh, you could get it based on who was being interviewed and how that was happening, but not necessarily a set out definition in advance. Just more broadly, you went in this looking at what's happening with, with social change and, and research in, in sport. How did this advance our understanding more broadly of, of the area? I'm going to be really honest and to say we weren't necessarily 
trying to change the face of how we look at sport management research and social change. And I think one of the initial reviews we got, um, there was a lot of uneasiness that we were critiquing our colleagues by suggesting they were not defining these things and yet they were doing really good work. And I think that was that's not our intention at all. Our intention was to say, if we want our work to be more relevant and to be more impactful, particularly for those reading it and for practitioners, then we need to do a really thorough job about thinking how we set out our definitions and we articulate those throughout the work that we do. And that we are clear about what we mean when we say sport has an impact and, ha and had, can be a force for social change. Because while we agree it's not the panacea, we do think that sport has this great opportunity to create a positive impact in communities for individuals, groups, on the interaction level. But we need to be encouraging scholars to really be clear about what they actually mean by that change, how that change is manifested, and at what level that change is manifesting. Because I think that will really help practitioners. Because if a practitioner is reading an article and then goes like, well, okay, but I don't get where this is actually impacting people, right? So we have to be really clear and articulating those things. So based on, on that idea, and, and it makes a lot of sense that sport isn't going to fix everything, but it can help. What advice would you give for, for researchers or people who want to, or researchers who want to get involved in sport for development, research that has a social impact? What advice would you give them? Read the research that's out there, but formulate your own perspective and your own definition of things and that uh, accept that and own that, right? Because I think all too often what we find is people jumping into this space and being maybe scared or timid or challenged to really articulate their own perspective of things. And I think that's a methodological piece that we need to do better in sport management research as well is define where we're coming from, articulate our own philosophical assumptions in the work that we're doing, and that will help us articulate the definitions of the work that we're doing. This other disciplines that I work within in sociology and things like that, where it's imperative that you actually articulate your philosophical assumptions in coming to that research. But in sport management, we sort of are hiding that a little bit, or, or that's just not as up front and center. And I think for new researchers coming into this, they need to be well-versed in understanding where their own perspective is coming from and bringing that to the forefront and not be swayed by being told you have to be this um, unbiased observer of things because that's just not possible. It's completely impossible. We all come with our own perspectives, our own lenses, and the clearer we articulate where those lenses are coming from, the better our research is going to be and the more impactful it's going to be. I know this this is very much a, a review for uh, theoretical and and, and mm -hmm. research, but from a practitioner's perspective, is there anything they can do to help, particularly when research is being done with them, looking at sport for, for social impact? Right. I think this is a really important piece because a lot of the work that I do is working directly with practitioners and them, those practitioners being intimately involved in the decision making processes about the research. And one of those decision making processes very early on in the research process is asking them for their articulation of what they want to see in terms of 
social change. So how do they envision these things occurring? What is sort of the positive outcomes they would like to see? You know, so they can actually define the level of social they're talking about. Are they looking at changing individuals on a micro level? Are they talking about broader organizational changes? Are they talking about what type of change? And, and are they talking about it, you know, incrementally over a longer period of time. And all of those little pieces of information really can help inform our, our theoretical approach to it, but then also feedback a better outcome for those practitioners we're working with. Because ultimately, I think most of us are trying to work in a space where we are going to inform future work that's being done in this space. And that's that practitioner being able to implement something in their programs or define how they want the future to look. So they need to be involved from the outset in helping support and define the things and the terminology and the frameworks that you're using. And I think that's probably a really important piece because in the end, they get more out of it if they're involved from the outset. I think that's a uh, really good advice. And hopefully everyone takes that on board, researchers and practitioners and, and goes and reads your paper. Laura, it's been fantastic chatting to you. Uh, really insightful. Thanks so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thanks for listening to Sport Management Review Insights. Head to the Sport Management Review website to check out all the latest research that's being published, including the article discussed in this episode, Tensions and Opportunities in Researching Social Change in Sport Management. That's it for this episode, but of course, there are many more you can listen to on your favorite podcast player. And if you could follow the podcast and give us a five-star rating, that'd be great too. We'll be taking a bit of a break during the Olympic Games, but that's the perfect time to catch up on some earlier podcasts you may not have heard. We'll be tweeting them out during the games too. Until next time, it's bye for now.